by paying attention to yourself, by switching on what we call the observer, which is the me watching me, you know, because the observer can analyze your emotion, can ask you the question, what are you feeling? You know, your observer can ask you the question, why are you thinking that? So you have this powerful ally, which is your observer, you know, as, as long as you know he's there and, you, and you're willing to call him in or her in. Okay, so and then what you learn to do through your to your observer, through watching what you're doing, questioning what you're doing, you learn to respond rather than to react. And that's where the transformation comes. Studios in Cuenca, Spain, I'm Kate Jetmore with The Listen, exploring the subtleties of culture and compassion in every conversation. I'm thrilled to be back after a long hiatus and particularly excited to share why I've been away from the show for so many months. I have been completing my training as an ontological coach, and here on season 22 of The Listen, we're going to focus on just that, ontological coaching, what it is, what it's like, and why it might be for you. My guest today is Fiona Tucker, who's been building a corporate career for 25 years. Following stage four cancer, she decided to revamp her life, get to know herself, and discover how she could contribute to the greater good. She found everything she was looking for in ontological coaching. After 12 years as a coach, she is more in love with ontology now than ever and spends her days helping herself and others to be more fulfilled and reach their goals. She also works with companies to build cultures which allow people to show up as their best selves to the benefit of the company, their families, and the community. Welcome to the show, Fiona! Thank you so much, Kate. I'm so glad to be here with you. And of course, to talk about ontological coaching is just so amazing. Exactly. Well, I'm so happy you could join me today, and I can't wait to dive right in. So as you said, let's start right at the beginning. And if you could just provide us with a definition, what is ontological coaching? Okay, what is ontological coaaching? How many hours have you got? <laughs> <laughs> you take your time. We're but here anyway, to listen. I'll, I'll put it into a capsule, you know, kind of so that, so that we can get some idea around, around what we're talking about. But basically, ontology is the study of the way of being. So ontological coaching or ontological coaches study uh, the way of being of individuals, of teams and organizations. Really, it's, it's applicable anywhere to anybody. Um, then what happens is that through the coaching conversation, the, uh, we help the coachee to identify, let's call them, well, we call them distinctions. But what are distinctions? Distinctions are points of view. We could say there are lens on the world. It's the way that each one of us individually sees the world. Because each individual person is what we call a unique cognitive universe. Mm-hmm. We've all got so much history and past and experiences and, you know, kind of life that's happened to us that when you put all that together, you know, kind of, you couldn't reproduce it twice, three times, four times, you know, kind of, the, the human story is not reproducible. 
So each of us has our lens on the world. Um, and is what you're saying, you use the word unique. So is what you're saying that given our own unique history and our own unique lives, we each have our own unique way of seeing the world and absolutely. experiencing That's the world. exactly it. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Couldn't have said it better myself. Okay. <laughs> so, so really, what, what, what's our job as a coach? Our job as a coach is to evidence our way of seeing Okay, so it's, it's helping the coachee to, to see what lens they're looking through mm -hmm. and help them to decide whether that lens is something that's actually helping them achieve what they want or it's stopping them from achieving what they want. So it's either opening up possibilities for them or it's limiting what, what they can do. Mm -hmm. And also what's really important is that, you know, kind of it's about having more choices and better choices. Ontological coaches believe that the more choices we have, the better results we can get in life. Mm -hmm. Let me give you an example of that. For example, you know, kind of if your only view is bad, sad, glad, you know, um, then, you know, kind of your, your, let's put it, your emotional repertoire is very limited. So that reduces the kind of possibilities of action that you have in the world. And the kind of way that you can maneuver in the world with yourself and with other people. So it's kind of going to limit your conversations, going to limit the kind of solutions you can come up with. And it's going to limit ultimately the choices that you can make about your life. Mm -hmm. So basically, you know, kind of that, that rep a, a greater repertoire of moods and emotions mm -hmm. can provide us with more flexibility in life. Um, and it makes us freer. I mean, we all talk about freedom, you know, what is freedom at the end of the day? Freedom is being able to do what I need to do in order to get what I want to get. <laughs> let's, mm. let's, let's put it that way. So let's say that the ontological methodology is a science-based practice um, that's based on positive psychology. And we don't really have time today to go through the, the details of it. But, you know, kind of it's it's part of a school of the school of coaching that's called compassionate coaching or positive coaching. So we're not coaching people about consequences. You know, there are other schools of coaching that kind of say, well, you know, kind of your boss said that if you don't learn how to communicate better with other people, you're going to lose your job. You know, so that that's kind of negative coaching. It's consequence coaching. Right. Whereas we say, you know, kind of. How would you like to improve the relationship you have with your colleagues? Mm. Mm -hmm. and, and from that point of view, help the person to understand who they need to be right. in order to achieve that better communication that they want with others. Right. I, I want to go back a couple of steps to a word that you just said, which is psychology. Um, and just bring up a question that's been posed to me on a couple of different occasions, because I'd love to pick your brain about this. Mm. What is the difference between coaching and therapy? And where is the line between coaching and therapy? Okay. Well, essentially, the thing is that psychologists and psychiatrists are trained to recognize and to treat pathologies. Pathologies are... Um, anomalies in the human psyche. So we could call them illnesses. Mm. Okay, so we, we talk about mental illness. So coaching, essentially, is it's our job 
is not to deal in any way with pathology or illness. We're not trained to do it mm -hmm. and we shouldn't do it. What we are trained to do is to work with people who are essentially healthy. Right. Who may be going through a wobble or who may need to develop skills that they haven't developed in the past mm -hmm. for whatever reason, but which they need now in order to live fulfilled lives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, you know, kind of it's, it's the, for example, it could be that you lost your job or somebody that you know died. Mm -hmm. You know, um, if you if you fall into a deep chronic depression about that, you need a psychologist. Mm -hmm. If you need somebody to talk to in order to work through your ideas and build a more clearer vision for the future and to help you to build a roadmap to get to that future, then you talk to a coach. What about the coachee who comes to you with a very specific issue or point of tension or friction in the workplace. Mm -hmm. I know you work with a lot of companies, for example. Yeah. And the conversation begins to turn to something quite personal, mm -hmm. uh, something that's happening in their marriage or something that's happening in their home or, or memories of a parent. Um, and when the conversation takes that turn, they resist it and say, I thought we were going to talk about my job. Mm -hmm. How do you handle that moment as a coach? Okay. I'd handle that moment by asking them if this point is important in order for them to be able to do what they need to be able to do in their job. Mm -hmm. There is only one human being. We don't leave part of who we are in the glove compartment when we get out of the car to go into the office. We walk in there with all of our past, all of our present, and all of our future. We are an integral human being. And it's that integral human being who has to show up in order to make things happen, to resolve problems, uh, to make decisions, to choose who they want to be, where they want to be, and when they want to be. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, you know, do, you, of, uh, do you find that that's common? Do, do you often find clients or, you know, human beings yeah, moving around yeah. the world who, who have found this strategy that has worked for them for many years to compartmentalize? This is who I am on the job. This is who I am when, I'm, when I get home and I play with my kids or when it's date, light, date night with my wife. Um, and they, they find it so difficult to see themselves as a single integrated person who is the common denominator between all of those contexts. Yeah. The, the thing is, if you're aware of what you're doing, it can be a very good strategy. Okay. It can de-stress, you know, kind of when I'm at home, I'm dad. When I'm in the office, I'm the leader. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as you're aware of what you're doing but that you also know that you have things in both of those realms which can be of service to you in other situations. If you can imagine, think about it like, you know, kind of we are all the director of a theatre and we have all these actors that we can put on stage. So it's deciding which actor is the most appropriate, which actor is going to bring me the most success, which actor is going to help me. You know, sometimes we need to be angry. But then anger isn't appropriate in other places. So sometimes we need to put the angry actor on stage because, I don't know, it might save your life, you know. 
um, if there's somebody coming at you with a machete or whatever, you know, kind of like, right. you know, kind of, to, to, to kind of be, you know, kind of lovey-dovey is not going to help you in that moment, you know. So it's, right. it's understanding that we, we all have all of these actors. Some of them are a bit rusty. Some of them are, you know, kind of have cobwebs. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes it's, you know, kind of just cleaning them down and saying, OK, so, you know, when I, when I was a kid, uh, I was leader of the basketball team. So I was the captain of the basketball team. And, and at that moment in my life, I knew how to be confident. I knew how to show up as the captain of the team. I knew how to motivate other people. And now they've given me a team in work. And, you know, kind of all of a sudden I was saying to myself, oh, my God, I can't handle this. You know, I've never had a team before. I, I don't know how to do this. I, you know, kind of, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? You know, <sighs> can't breathe, you know. Right. And you sit with your coach and your coach says, well, was there any other time in your life where you were the leader? And you kind of sit for a minute and you kind of say, wow, nobody's ever asked me that question before. Mm. And a little light goes on in your brain and you say, oh, yeah, you know, I was the captain of the, of the basketball team or the volleyball team or the football team or whatever it was, you know. Right. And you say, well, what did you do then that could help you now? What do you know about yourself as a captain, as a leader that you can bring into this new experience? Mm-hmm. And the person just sits there in silence for a minute and they go, yeah, okay. I know how to motivate people. I know how to organize people. I know how to get people working together, collaborating with each other, communicating with each other. Wow, I know how to do that. You know. <laughs> this, is, this is a great example, Fiona, because first of all, you're such a good actress. I can, fe- I can hear in your voice that aha moment. <gasps> yeah, I do know how to do this, right? But what the other thing that you're doing is you're modeling... Um, something that we as coaches bring into our sessions, which is the art of asking powerful questions instead of offering up the solutions or the advice or the suggestions on a silver platter. Why is it so powerful to engage our clients in that kind of active way that instead of them receiving all of the answers or what we perceive as the answers, they are actually digging deep and finding their own answers within. Okay. It's vitally important because, you know, kind of, you can only do what you know. Okay. You know, kind of, and the fake it till you make it, it's it's a good plan. But very often it doesn't work. Okay. Because you haven't got the basic foundation there in order to get what you want or to do what you want. When an individual has the understanding that this is something that they hold within them, they don't need anybody else to do it. They don't need to read a book. You know, that can be helpful. You can, we can clarify. We can always learn more. But essentially, when I realized that, you know, kind of, this is me. I have what it takes to do this. And that that realization has uh, diminished that voice in my head, which is saying, can't do it. This isn't you. You know, kind of, you you need to be, have more experience. You need to be, 
doing this for a very long time. You know, kind of other people are so much better than you are. You're a fraud. You're a fraud. You know, the famous, you know, kind of, uh, what is it they call it? The um, imposter syndrome. Ah, uh, okay? yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I, which I don't actually, actually agree that it's an imposter syndrome. I don't think that's what it is. I think what it is is that we just haven't realized that we have the capability within us to actually do this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, getting back to the question, you know, there's, there's a deep way of looking at this as well, which is from a neuroscience point of view, which, you know, brings us into the whole concept of the neuroscience of coaching. Mm-hmm. That, you know, kind of in compassionate coaching, we bring people out of the survival mode you know, which is that part of the, the, the uh, reptilian brain, you know, the survival brain, the fight or flight, you know, kind of uh, very, very closed focus way of looking at the world. Mm-hmm. And through our powerful questions, and that's why powerful questions are so important. Mm-hmm. We take people out of that fright, fear uh, zone, uh, the, the, that panic zone, and we bring them into the neocortex. We bring them into that part of the brain where we can engage in speculative conversations, where we switch on our imagination, where we, we are solution oriented, where we start looking within ourselves for all of the possibilities and we're completely open. The space is open mm-hmm. for us to find all of that inside ourselves. Mm-hmm. Once you've had that aha moment, you actually build synapses in your brain. I mean, you actually build connections in your brain that go, wow. And when it's a good, really powerful question, they're like, you know, they're soldered into your brain. You can never go back to where the way you were before. Mm. And that's the difference between, you know, kind of what we call, uh, you know, kind of a transformation and change. Mm-hmm. Change is reversible. Change, you know, the first time, you know, panic comes in, the first time anguish comes in, you know, you're battling with that again. Transformation is where the pathway has actually shifted. Mm-hmm. You know, if you imagine like train tracks, you know, kind of when you get that aha moment, that powerful question brings you to that aha moment, you know, kind of the, the, the station master has flicked the switch and the train has literally changed direction and it can't go back. I want to dig deeper into transformational change. Yes. Uh, this is a really exciting subject. And I think it's, you know, it's the great mystery, right? It's what everyone wants to unlock and, and, and sort of believes it's impossible to do because they've failed so many times. But what's so exciting about coaching, about ontological coaching, is that it is possible. There is a method. Absolutely. So before we get into that, we need to take a quick break, if you don't mind. And we will be right back to continue our conversation with my guest, ontological coach, Fiona Tucker. Back in a second. If you like what you hear on the listen and you're interested in scheduling a coaching session with me, I hope you'll get in touch. Please reach out to me through our website at thelistenpodcast.com. This is Kate Chetmore with The Listen. If you're just joining us, my guest is Fiona Tucker, who's taking us through some of the finer points of ontological coaching. So to get back to the issue of 
transformation and transformational change, which we were talking about just before the break. We all know what it's like to want to make a change in our lives, whether that's, you know, exercising more or losing weight or changing careers. The sort of gold standard of example of this is a New Year's resolution. You know, you have those big hopes and big intentions. And then by this time of year, mid-February, it's just all back to where you started, right? In ontological coaching, we believe that lasting change can only be achieved if there are shifts in three key areas, language, emotion, and the body. So I'd love to go through these with you. And if you wouldn't mind, let's start with language. What kinds of shifts are we talking about when it comes to language? Okay, the first thing we have to understand about language is that language is our superpower, okay? As human beings, language makes our world possible, okay? We build skyscrapers through language. We build, you know, we have wars through language, you know, kind of. But mm-hmm. we, we also create our today and our tomorrow through language, okay? So, you know, kind of how we use language is essentially, that's the building blocks for what we create, so if I'm talking to myself and, you know, kind of, and I'm saying, you know, kind of, you know, I'd really like to lose five kilos, you know, and, uh, you know, kind of, but oh, I've tried so hard before and, you know, kind of, it's just, it's so tiring and, you know, kind of like, and I'd have to cook different meals for me than the family and, you know, kind of like, where's my commitment? It's not in losing five kilos. Mm-hmm. Okay. My commitment is, you know, kind of in making my life easier, in, you know, kind of in, uh, in taking care of the family, you know, kind of being with the family, not having mm-hmm. to cook separate things. It may be also a cost question, you know, kind of like, you know, kind of I'm going to take, get takeout for the kids and, you know, kind of I'll eat a salad or whatever, you know, kind of. Mm-hmm. So the reality is, is that in language, we have to be very, very careful about what we're saying to ourselves. And also what we're saying to other people. But the first conversation that we have is with ourselves. Mm. So if we want to uh, bring about this change, we have to change our language. Mm. If you keep saying the same thing, you're going to keep getting the same thing. Right. So, you know, we, we have to start listening to ourselves speaking. When am I talking myself out of things? When am I talking myself into things and it works? Mm -hmm. What am I saying to myself when it works? What am I saying to myself when it doesn't work? Mm -hmm. You know, and what am I saying to other people? Like, you know, kind of, I'll give you an example, you know, kind of like, I'm working with this guy who sees himself as a great leader. Mm -hmm. And he has amazing knowledge of the business that he works in, the industry that he works in. And he keeps saying all the time, you know, kind of like, we need to listen to people, we need to listen to people, we need to listen to people. Then he gets into a meeting and, you know, kind of other people start talking and he says, well, you know, kind of 20 years ago when I worked for an ABC company, you know, kind of the thing that worked was this. And, you know, kind of, I went to Singapore with John Smith and John Smith and myself talked to Edward Mouse and, you know, he's not listening. Hmm. And in his language, what he's saying to other people is, you are not important. Hmm. You don't have my knowledge. You didn't go to Singapore with, you know, kind of John Smith and talk to Ed Mouse. Mm -hmm. So his language 
is opening up experiences for other people mm -hmm. and for himself which are actually not in line with how he is portraying himself and selling himself. Mm -hmm. So he's not getting the results that he wants. Right, and as you mentioned previously in the conversation, it's either opening doors to more possibilities or closing doors to those Absolutely. possibilities. And this opening and closing doors is all, are, it's also the experiences that we're creating for ourselves and other people. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of like, if, if in my language, instead, you know, kind of, I say to you because I believe that being honest is very important. So, you know, kind of, I have this thing that honesty is my most important thing. So, in, because I'm honest, I walk into the room and I say, Oh my God, Kate, what did you do to your hair? <laughs> okay. So, mm -hmm. you know, kind of, what, what, create, what experience am I creating for you? Am I creating an experience which is opening up possibilities for our relationship? Or am I closing conversation and possibilities with you through mm -hmm. my language? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we need to be aware of what, what experiences we're creating for others and ourselves and right. how that is opening up or closing possibilities for us. The other thing, Fiona, and I, th I just think this is so fascinating and so important, is that when we hear the word language, we immediately think about the spoken word. But as you said, it's external conversations that are voiced out in the world, but equally importantly, it's those internal conversations that we have with ourselves and simply shining a light on them, listening to them and becoming aware of what we tell ourselves in our own heads before we even open our mouths. I find that to be so powerful and such a, an important part of this puzzle. I wanna move on to emotions. Mm. I am blown away by the power of our training, those of us who, who are in training to become ontological coaches. Um, I, I lived most of my life thinking that emotions were like the wind you know, or the weather, you don't have any control about that. You can put on a raincoat or get an umbrella or wear fewer clothes if it's hot out. What can you say about the role that emotions take in the context of ontological coaching and how much, if any, control we have over our emotions? Okay. Oof. <laughs> now, okay. And go. The, the, okay. The first thing that we can say about emotions is that what are emotions? Emotions are chemical reactions in your body based more normally on the past. Okay. So they're, they're based on experiences that we've had in the past where we had a, an emotion that accompanied that experience. That is kind of, you know, it's stored in our, what they call the episodic memory. And when something the same or similar, and this is the very, this is the tricky bit, or similar, and it can be like a 5% similar mm -hmm, <laughs> happens, mm -hmm. you know, kind of, we fall back into that emotion again, right? And, and the, 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 the important thing to understand about emotions is that basically, what are emotions? They are our greatest friend when we understand what they are. Our emotions are our GPS. They're our global positioning system. If you are aware of your emotion 
and all it's it, you know to become aware of your emotion you just stop and say what am i feeling right okay so if you're aware of your emotion your emotion will tell you how the world is for you what's happening for you and how you are being in that moment so you know kind of somebody walks into the room and i kind of get a start and i, and I feel uncomfortable so i have an emotion of anxiety fear you know, upset i say to myself what what why am i feeling this what is my antenna telling me so my antenna is telling me that something has changed in the atmosphere around me that this person either because they remind me of somebody from the past okay or they are behaving in a way which has set my antenna going mm -hmm. i say danger problem right. you know and is that that reptilian brain again that's that reptilian brain absolutely in this particular instance that's your reptilian brain it'll always be your well it's what they call the hippocampus so it's mm -hmm. your reptilian brain with your emotional center okay the limbic okay. system mm -hmm. um, which you know kind of th the job of that system is to keep you safe so it's telling you all the time the situation that you find around you now because in, in an awful lot of it is, as I said, mirrors the past, mm -hmm. it can be wrong. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. so we, we have a reaction because we see a red haired person. So I see a red haired person and, you know, kind of, I get this kind of anxiety feeling or a feeling of un, I'm uncomfortable, mm -hmm. you know. Is it that person or is it the teacher I had, you know, kind of in 10th grade? who, you know, constantly told me that, you know, kind of I was stupid and that I was never going to learn French. So I could give up now. Mm. So my, in my mind, in my episodic memory, red-haired people are demotivating, uninspiring, scary, you right. know, kind of dangerous. unhelpful, dangerous, etc., etc., etc. So, you know, kind of my emotional center you know, kind of wakes me up and says, eh, this is something you don't like, pay attention. Okay, so, you know, kind of our emotions, whether they're good, fantastic, they're wonderful, you know, good emotions make us feel happy and, you know, open up loads of possibilities for us because we're in, when we're in that positive emotional space, we're more connected with that, you know, kind of neocortex, you know, that frontal uh, lobe area where we have speculative conversations, where we use our imagination, where we, we dream, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have this other part of the brain, uh, as I said, which, you know, kind of is stranger danger. <laughs> right. Yeah. And its job is that. Its job is to scan the world constantly, mm -hmm. letting you know that there are things in your atmosphere, in your environment, in your internal uh, musings or workings or thinkings, which need to be paid attention to right and it seems like so much of that happens in a part of our being or our brain if you will that we're completely unaware of Absolutely. and that's one reason that it rules us so often in our lives as human mm. beings because it's happening without us even being aware of it and the yeah. very fact that we can just flip a lamp on and sh and shed some light on what's 
what what's really going on it's actually that redheaded teacher from 10th grade absolutely it just like yeah. suddenly the power that yeah. that redhead has that any yeah. redhead has over you just just vanishes yeah and well the, fir- the first thing you ask yourself is is it true yeah <laughs> you know yeah. because this this is a warning sign that doesn't mean that this is true right in this moment you know because okay, so the first thing we ask ourselves is is it true right you know and then the other thing is is that you know to understand that by paying attention to ourselves you know as they say get out of your own head by paying attention to yourself by switching on what we call the observer which is the me watching mm-hmm. me you know because mm-hmm. the observer can analyze your emotion can ask you the question what are you feeling you know your observer can ask you the question why are you thinking that so you have this powerful ally which is your observer you know as as long as you know he's there and you and you're willing to call him in or her in mm-hmm. okay right. so and then what you learn right. to do through your to your observer through watching what you're doing questioning what you're doing you learn to respond rather than to react hmm. and that's where the transformation comes it's in the response rather than the reaction mm-hmm. so i have that choice i can look at this situation and say okay what's happening i'm feeling not comfortable in this situation oh guy with the red hair yeah well hello guy with red hair who are you <laughs> you know yes exactly and all of a sudden he's just a person with red hair he's yeah. not the teacher from you know all those years ago oh that is that is transformational so i have I, more choices yeah exactly exactly what about that third point which is the body how does the oh, body play into all of this the yeah. physical body we're inclined to forget you know kind of there's something that naomi campbell the model said years and years ago and she said most people go through life treating their body like it was a suitcase they carry around with them and that's that really hit home with me when i was studying ontological coaching you know kind mm. of a, because it's the the body really is all about the somatic being you know kind of it's the physical being and the the body is really it it accompanies <laughs> our language and our emotion you know um, because they sit in the body right and our emotions you know kind of stay in the body they're 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 chemical molecules that travel throughout the body and they they get deposited over time in different parts of our body so you know kind of if you say to somebody where do you feel fear you know and if they can't at this i don't know and you just say well close your eyes and think of the last time you were afraid mm. and just let your body tell you and they say oh wow in my chest my and my chest is tight you know or i've got you know kind of fluttering in my stomach or right. you know kind of my shoulders go tense or my neck is tense or, right lump you know, in my throat lump in my throat exactly so your body tells you what's happening with you mm. all the time and again it's another uh it's another way or another channel that we can use as coaches to work with our coachee i'll tell you the very first coachee i ever had the very first coaching session with the first coachee i ever had who was a colleague you know we were doing the 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 uh the uh, coaching uh, the, the 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 people who, that we were studying with mm-hmm. and uh, and this guy said you know kind of i i get this uncontrollable anger 
that starts in my feet, travels up my legs, kind of comes into my stomach and then bursts out my throat and I shout at people. And, you know, and I kind of said, wow, so what, what, what emotion are you in when that happens? And he says, I don't know. And I said, well, you know, kind of when that just before that starts in your feet, what's happening? And he says, I get this thing where I go rigid. And it's like I know that it's a situation I can't handle, I can't control, I can't deal with. And then it's this kind of heat that starts in my feet and it kind of travels up my body and it comes into my throat and it's like explodes out of me, you know. <laughs> and, and I was kind of sitting there as total neo-coach, as you know what it's like, and I'm saying, mm -hmm. oh my God, <laughs> what am I going to do? What do, do I do with know? this? <laughs> and I said, okay, trust the process, you know. So I said, okay, so if you were going to think of a way that you could respond rather than react, where would you start in your body? And he said, I'd start in my head. I said, but I thought you said it started in your feet. He said, yeah, but now I realize that just before it starts in my feet, I get this kind of fuzziness in my head. And he said, the first thing I think I would do in the future is that I'm going to breathe. I'm going to say, I don't need to be angry here. I have a choice. And he said, and I said, how's that going to help, you know, the heat in your feet and, you know, the fuzziness in your head? And he said, I just have this feeling, when we were talking about powerful questions before, he said, I just have this feeling that when you said, where could you start, that I have the control. Wow. So if I have the control, I can start dismantling this experience in my body, starting wow. in my head. Wow. And he did, and he did, and it worked for him. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you said, well, he said actually some really big words there, words like control, power would be another word for that, choice. Um, choice makes me think about agency. Um, Wow, that is a, a wonderful story. Uh, and thank you so much for going over all three of those key elements of transformational change that we talk about in ontological coaching. Let's take another short break, and we'll be right back to talk more with my guest, ontological coach Fiona Tucker. If you're enjoying this episode, check out our season 10 interviews with nutrition coach Jen Pendleton and voice and speech coach Lauren Lovett. You can explore our full archive by following us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Spotify. There are dozens of interviews waiting for you there, all free and easy to access. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and be sure to join our Facebook group, the Listen Podcast Community. And if you'd like to make a donation to the show or pitch a guest, you can do so through our website at thelistenpodcast.com. We're talking with my guest, ontological coach Fiona Tucker, about how she helps her clients achieve transformational change. Fiona, before we continue, why don't you let our listeners know where they can find you? And we'll be sure to include that information in our show notes as well. 
Well, they can find me on LinkedIn, which is kind of the main thing for me, which is okay. Fiona Tucker on LinkedIn. Okay. Um, I also have a Facebook page, which I must admit, um, I haven't been you know, keeping up to date very much recently <laughs> because I've been so involved in other things, um, which is particularly uh, directed towards women, which is called Get Primed to Thrive. So the Facebook page is Get Primed to Thrive. Okay. And, uh, and I'm just at the moment building a new website, which is fionatucker.com. Okay, perfect. We'll, we'll include that in all our info and people can seek you out. In coaching, we talk a lot about context and how, depending on where we are and who we're surrounded by, our experience will be different. So one such context that occurs to me has to do with culture. I live in Spain, as you know, you live in Italy. What can you say about how we experience things in cultures that are different from our own and how best to manage that potential friction or those potential clashes? Okay. This is, this is a really good question uh, because we, we live more and more in a global world. You know, kind of a, we, we, you know, even in the situation that we have at the present moment with Ukrainians and Syrians and, and people being displaced, you know, kind of and coming to live in many, many different cultures. And also, you know, kind of working as we do today in a digital reality where so many people are, you know, kind of, you don't have to move country to work in a different context. Right. Um, and in my work, I'm seeing this more and more where, you know, kind of there can be people who the office is in, is in Italy and the HR uh, person is in Spain and the boss is in New York. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot, a lot of that happening. Essentially, what's wonderful about ontology is that we can talk to the person rather than their background and their culture. And we can help other people to develop the communication skills through the ontological method of conversation, which is, you know, kind of, uh, part of partly coaching, but it's also part of a wider communication system, which is ontological, coach, uh, ontological communication, to... Uh, be able to ask more questions rather than make more assertions and declarations, mm -hmm. you know, and to learn to make requests and offers uh, in order to be able to develop a communication with people which first and foremost is based on positive intent. So when we have positive intent, it's much easier for us to be able to uh, solve problems together, build plans together. The important thing also is to have shared vision. And it's not just shared vision for the company, it's shared vision for the meeting that we're in. Mm. It's shared vision for the conversation we're having over a cup of coffee. Now, kind of in, in coaching, we start off with what is the objective? Mm -hmm. So why are we here? Why have we come here today? And then we end our coaching session, or the ideal situation, which is, you know, kind of what result do we want to have? What do we want to leave here with? Mm -hmm. And if we can build that into all of our communication, it simplifies greatly this concept of cultural difference. Mm -hmm. Because people have very different ways of working. They have very different processes. They have very different ways of, of uh, deciding what is good, <laughs> what is, you know, and what's bad, um, and, and everything in the middle of it. 
But if we start off in our communication, I said positive intent, understanding what the objective is, and understanding what we want to leave here with. And the, what we want to leave here with is a solution to whatever it is we're talking about, but also, and more importantly, is that our relationship is intact in the doing of that. Mm -hmm. So that we leave here friends. And that goes back to the three domains that we were talking about earlier. I have to watch my language. I have to be aware of the emotional context of the situation. So if the other person is really angry about something, maybe this isn't the moment to have the conversation. Hmm. Unless I want to be here to accompany that person and help them to work through their issue and then get back to whatever it is we want to resolve here together, you know. And then also making sure that we're comfortable, that it's not cold, it's not hot, that our bodies are accompanying us mm. and that, you know, kind of we're not rigid, that we're flexible, that, you know, in our, in our bodies, that we're flexible and comfortable and warm, you know, kind of that we open. have water to drink, that we're hydrated, that we're open. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So that the three domains accompany us always mm -hmm. in everything that we do. It's so interesting to hear you talk because when I um, decided that I wanted to ask you this question about different cultures, uh, I thought maybe you would talk about, well, in Japan it's this way and in Italy it's that way. And when I fly to New York to work, this is what it looks like. But how refreshing to hear you skip all the way over all of that, all of those assumptions and, you know, kind of stereotypes and things that we think we understand about countries we've never visited or had any contact with. And you're just talking about humans, a way that we can communicate with each other that's respectful and productive and that recognizes that we do come from different contexts contexts and different cultures, but that we can still have a meeting that's productive and comfortable and, and, and even yeah, pleasant. When I, when I talk about positive intent, you know, kind of, the thing about it is, is that, you know, if you talk about human beings, okay, human beings have the same basic emotional needs, regardless of whether they were born in Bogota, Tokyo, or London doesn't matter mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what language you speak it doesn't matter what religion you are it doesn't matter what your politics are it doesn't matter you know kind of what school you went to we have the same basic emotional needs and those needs are to feel emotionally secure nobody's out to get me you know nobody's trying to screw me here you know and mm -hmm. um, the other thing is that you know kind of we have a good solid intimate relationship and intimate doesn't mean sexual or loving it, it means, you know, kind of mm -hmm. that, that this person is, is open and available to me in this moment, you know, mm -hmm. um, that we have, you know, kind of our purpose, uh, our contribution to make and to give, and that we honor the contribution and the purpose of other people, that we are, mm -hmm. as evolutionary beings, drawn to learning and transforming and changing, and that also, you know, kind of we were designed to have fun, to be joyful. You know, and we all have these mm. same basic emotional needs. And when somebody is not in a good place, they're not comfortable, it's because one or more of those needs are out of kilter. You don't need to know that they're task oriented in New York and that they're relationship oriented in Milan to understand these things. You just have to ask mm -hmm. the question. So 
how would you normally do this? And how is that different from how I would normally do it? And how can we find a new way of doing it, which is you and me together? Mm. Mm-hmm. Looking at the results that we want to achieve and saying, this is how we can do it. Without me needing to overpower you, or you needing to overpower me. That's what positive intent is about. It's about collaboration. And we as human beings are designed that way. We're designed to be evolutionary. We're designed to be communicative. We're designed to be collaborative. We're designed to be empathic because our very survival depends on it. So when we're not, Mm -hmm. it's because something's not working. That's when the coach comes in. (laughs) Exactly. And I could listen, honestly, I could listen to you talk for another, another couple of hours. It's such a rich conversation and something that I'm really passionate about and I can hear that you are as well I can also imagine there there might be people out there who are listening to this who are still very much on the fence they feel like this is sort of like I don't know new agey or you said it was based in science but who says I don't know if I believe you about that as we begin to wrap things up, I'm I'm just curious because you you are your energy is so engaging and I'd love to hear what you have to say to that person. Mm. Okay. Well, really to that person, I'd say, you know, do you want to be happy or do you want to be right? You know. Mm. And um, you know, there there all of the information is out there for you if you want to go and find it. Just go to Google and put in ontological coaching or coaching, whether it's ontological or whatever, just make sure it's positive coaching, okay? Not, not transactional right, right. coaching, but that it's, it's, you know, kind of, we coach people, we don't coach problems. And, uh, mm. you know, kind of the, the, the information is there. But essentially, I think it is, you know, give yourself a break and listen to yourself. Get yourself a cup of coffee, you know, find a nice quiet corner where you can just be with yourself, you know, kind of with a nice warm blanket and a cup of coffee for 10, 15 minutes. And just say, you know, kind of, oh, if I just relax, what do I hear myself say to myself? How can I love myself more? You know, and would it be helpful for me to have a conversation with somebody who has nothing invested in the outcome whose only investment is in helping me to find me and I think that most people will say yeah yeah like it's just a big hug Oh my gosh, I love I love listening to your words and hearing your perspective on so many of these issues that touch us yeah. all. They touch us all yeah. as human beings. And I, I know so many people, and I'll include myself in this, you know, a year ago, a year and a half ago, I was really struggling. And through my training in ontological coaching, I have really evolved as a person and all of these things that we help our coaches with, we ourselves are constantly learning and constantly evolving. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful to have met you also on The Coach. You are one of my teachers. So I want to thank you so much, Fiona, for joining me today and for um, 
shedding a little light on what ontological coaching is. You're very, very welcome. It was a joy. Thank you. Thank you. Next time on The Listen, we'll be joined by Emilio Arzuaga, musician and professional certified coach. Hope you can join us. The Listen podcast is produced and recorded in Cuenca, Spain, where the old town is perched atop the cliffs high above the Jucar and Huecar river gorges. I want to thank Lucas Munoz Jetmore, who makes sure the show is ready to go each week. I'm Kate Jetmore, and this is The Listen.